Rogers scrambles he's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for Revealing the Brew for Fansighted and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. We tweet a lot about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers, and can be followed on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. As always, I'm joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And we're here today to talk a little bit about the 45-man roster that was released by the Brewers earlier this week, and then to preview the American League Central. So we are coming out with this episode on a Friday here, because we're going up north this weekend, spending some bro time together, and on Sunday, it's going to be all about recovery. So I may have spoiled what Trevor's going to say already, but how are you doing over there, buddy? We have not recorded on a Thursday in a long time. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange to be recording today, but because we are recording, it gave me an excuse to crack open a cold one. So, I mean, some positives there, right? So... Today, I decided on Hinterland's cherry wheat, Door County cherry wheat. So it's pretty delicious, and I'm drinking it in a pretty awesome glass. It's my best man mug from your wedding. So definitely can't complain about what I'm drinking, and it's a, it's a pretty, good, pretty good night for a Thursday night. You know, my wedding was so awesome, I don't even remember it, and Bryce isn't even mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh that that's pretty bad because my wedding hasn't happened yet really so <laughs> i mean technically your wedding happened yeah but the reception I was there didn't. <laughs> I, I was there there was four other people there <laughs> yep it was small it was short news sweet but we did it we got through the covid i do not recommend trying to get married through this stuff it is a hassle so all you guys out there thinking about proposing just use COVID as an excuse. Hold off for a little bit. So, <laughs> all right. Well, even if they propose right now, it's not like they're going to get married tomorrow. Well, you never know. Some people are <laughs> ambitious. Flight Flights to Vegas are pretty cheap. True. Very true. <laughs> all right. But we're going to get started here. We're going to go through the uh, 45-man roster here. So the roster will eventually compose of 60 players, but the Brewers will be releasing those names later. The only guy not on the 45-man roster that was released early this week that we know of and that will be on the 60-man roster is Tyrone Taylor. Yep, not a big deal there. But from the initial 45, Trevor, these are the guys who are expected to compete for the 30-man opening day roster. Are there any surprises there, either guys who got on or guys who were left off? Well, I can't believe Josh Hader made the roster. <laughs> oh, yeah, he gives up way too many home runs. 
Um, I really don't think there's all that many surprises. I think the pitching group will be fun to kind of watch that and see how that unfolds. You know, Bobby Wall coming back, Corey Knebel, we talked about them, I think, last week. But also some of the young guys. Jake Fiera, he has a non-roster invitee, but those non-rosters are the ones I really want to kind of watch. Drew Rasmussen, Zach Brown, Ray Blackgott wasn't a non-roster invitee, but those guys I really want to watch and kind of see how they do leading up to this and if any of them are able to make the actual 30-man active roster. So that is the most interesting kind of thing for me to watch other than that i think for the most part you can figure out who's going to be active for the outfield catchers you can probably figure out who's going to be active for that infielders is a little bit more hairy but you know the main guys at least there um so i just think the pitching group is going to be fun to watch and and see if anyone is a surprise sneak on and or someone you thought was going to make it doesn't make it now because someone sneaks on the roster that you didn't really expect. That is the group that I'm excited to watch and see what happens with those 23 pitchers that are currently on the roster. Yeah, I agree. The non-roster invitees, there's nine of them, which is either close or all of the non-roster invitees are pretty close. That was invited from original spring training uh, at the beginning of March. So Drew Rasmussen is the guy that I you mentioned him. I really want to see him pitch. He's got the stuff. He's got a mid nineties fastball, excellent, excellent off speed stuff. And really he was a former first round pick and he was his first year in professional baseball last year for the Brewers and advanced through the A levels super quick and pitched majority of the year at double A. So he, he could make the jump. It is kind of concerning he hasn't pitched against that higher-level talent yet, but he's a, I think he's a guy who could sneak his way into a role, especially with expanded rosters. I agree with you there with Rasmussen. And if I remember correctly, he's got a 70-grade fastball. So he, he, he definitely has the stuff to be able to use that fastball and then go off speed to kind of even make that fastball even better. So he is definitely one to keep an eye on for the pitching group. Yeah, say otherwise, it, it wasn't all too surprising. I guess the biggest letdown for me, I would have liked to see Corey Ray in the outfield group at least get on this list. I can understand why he wasn't. He had a very injury-riddled 2019 and didn't really perform up to expectations for a former first-round pick. But I think he should have at least gotten a chance and who knows maybe maybe he will be on the sick part of the 60 the remaining 15 that have not been announced yet but it is worth noting that Keon Broxton is on this list in case you guys forgot he was a non-roster invitee so uh, and, real quick do you think he will uh, challenge Ben Gamble for any playing time no uh-uh. <laughs> um, that is the other one now that I was looking at the outfielder list that's why you know what Keon Braxton is at this point. I don't think there's a lot of potential growth that he could get. I know he's still a fairly young player, but I just I don't see that potential from him. And I would have liked to see Corey Ray get a shot here, like you said, and hopefully he is on the 60 man. But I really feel like this could have been, you know, a boost in his confidence and maybe kind of a springboard for him to really start playing like that first round draft pick that he was not that long ago. 
hopefully his development will continue just at the Timber Rattlers facility this year. So we'll find out later when the Brewers announce those names as we inch closer to opening day. But as we mentioned in our last podcast, we are playing the American League Central, each team four times uh, this season. So, of course, there will be division games as well. So if you have not checked out our podcast regarding the NL Central offseason recap, we put that back out in, I think, early March, right before COVID. That is that is still very relevant because no transactions have happened due to them being fr- froze during COVID. So that is still, still good to listen to. But we're going to focus today on the AL Central because we're not really familiar with these opponents as much as we are some of the other National League teams. So we're going to start with the White Sox because I think they had the most interesting offseason out of the American League Central. So last year, the White Sox finished 72 and 89, a little disappointing. And they added, of course, Yasmani Grandal, Edwin and Arcarcion, and then Nomar Mazzara. So they added a lot of pop to their offense. And then they, of course, added a good amount of pitchers as well. Dallas Keuchel, Gio Gonzalez, and then Steve Ciszek. So if you go up and down the rest of the roster, they, of course, also has some very young talent in there in the infields. Tim Anderson stands out to me. Uh, they also have Jose Abreu, who is by far their biggest star. They are poised to make a leap this year. It's just a matter of how big of a leap they will take. But do you have any thoughts on the White Sox at all? Yeah, they're they're definitely an interesting team, um, especially with all their additions. And you stated it was kind of an underwhelming 2019 season for them. So if they go back to, you know, what they were expected to do last year, plus you add Grandal. Dallas Keuchel, Gio Gonzalez, Edwin Encarcion, and all the other guys that they added. It's just like such a high-level group of players that they added that, yeah, Gio might be their fourth or fifth guy, but he's a pretty solid fourth or fifth guy in their rotation. C-Sheck from last year pitched pretty well. He appeared in 70 games. He had a 2.95 ERA he had 64 innings pitched with 57 strikeouts, so a decent rate there. And then he also had 1.2 whip. So pretty solid overall. And those numbers are just slightly more than kind of what he, or slightly worse, I should say, than what he has averaged through his career. So I do feel like they added a solid player there. He is getting up there a little bit in age. Uh, this will be his age 34 season. So he is getting up there a little bit with age, but he's been a solid player from the time he's been, you know, 25 years old to right about now. He's only had one year where he had an ERA over four point or four. And now that was at 4.5 in 2015. Actually, I lied. That was just with Miami at 4.5. His 2015 total was at two, 3.58. And that was his highest year by far. So he that's a solid contributor in the bullpen there. You add Dallas Keuchel, you add Grandal behind the plates. It's just a lot of talent that they added. So they're definitely poised to make a pretty big jump here in the 2020 season if everything kind of works together in the first 60 games because there's only 60 games. So everything needs to click right away from them. 
And if it doesn't, it could be a pretty disappointing 2020 because it's going to be so hard to come back if you start slow. Yeah, it absolutely is. And taking a look at some of the White Sox offensive stats from last year, what really jumps out to me is if you look at their team batting average, they were eighth best in the entire major leagues. And then you switch over to on-base percentage slugging and OPS, they drop down into like 25 range like it's terrible which just tells me they were not patient at the plate they could not hit gap to gap or for power so when you factor in adding Grandal, Edmar Carcion and Mazzara that that's gonna obviously kind of level those out a little bit and make their offense offense kind of scary in a way and of course adding the pitching that we alluded to those Keuchel and Gonzalez, Ciszek, they're they're going to be looked upon to kind of lead this team full of younger prospects who you never know who might step up. So they will be fun to monitor, and I'm looking forward to their four games as well. Looking at another American League opponent, we have the Cleveland Indians. So last year they finished 93 and 69. They were pretty dang good, and in the offseason, they added Cesar Hernandez at second base, Franmil Reyes in the outfield, and then former Brewer Domingo Santana in the outfield as well. They're still looking pretty good. You look at their starting rotation. They got Mike Clevenger, Shane Bieber, Carlos Carrasco. Those are your top three guys leading right there. You switch over into the offensive side of things. It's still Carlos Santana at first base. They got Jose Ramirez at third, Francisco Landor at shortstop. And then when you shift over to the outfields, um, that's where you kind of might be leaning a little bit more towards Franmo Reyes, Domingo Santana, and um, really Santana could be used in the DH spot, which is why I think he's stuck in the American League primarily since leaving Milwaukee. So any thoughts on the Cleveland Indians at all? They didn't quite win the division last year, but I think they're overall a very solid team. And as you know, Tyler, Domingo Santana was my guy when he was on the Brewers. So that makes me want to kind of cheer for them to come out of the AL Central. But I still, um, I don't know if it's enough to take them and win the division. Because as we'll talk about in a little bit, I think the Twins made some very good moves as well to kind of solidify themselves in the top of the division. And I do think it's going to be Twins, Indians, and White Sox in one of those orders. It's just, like I just said about the 2020 season, it's who's going to start off hot. I think their additions are good, but they're not like phenomenal players. Um, You look at Hernandez, the second baseman, last year. He's a 279 batting average, career 277. Reyes last year was 249, career of 260. And then Domingo Santana last year, 253, career of 259. So you're not getting any sort of like top of the line talents there, but they are solid players that can really help them. And, you know, Domingo Santana launches 25. Okay, he's not going to launch 25 home runs in a 60 game season, but. You know, that equivalence, and I don't even know what that would be in this 60-game season, somewhere around 12, 10 to 12. I'm not really sure what that is, but I think he, if he is on and he can get on hot streaks, if he's on a, you know, 30-game hot streak, that can really help them tremendously. And especially being a DH, I think, could be a very 
good benefit for the Indians. Yeah, and the weird part about the Indians is they actually missed the postseason last year with 93 wins. The Tampa Bay Rays snuck in right in front of them. And looking at team stats from last year, the Indians had the fourth best, so in this case, I guess lowest ERA in the entire MLB, and you don't make the postseason. So as you can see, all the key additions were on offense. So, I mean, that's really going to kind of be what it boils down to, I think, this year is can these offensive pieces help in, chip in and contribute and kind of get them over that hump, even though with 93 wins, you think you'd usually be pretty set, but... Either way, the Indians are going to be a contender to get into the postseason again this year and should make for some very good matchups. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we're going to shift over to the Detroit Tigers. They went 47-114 and 114 last year. That is not me uh, misspeaking. <laughs> they were absolutely terrible. In the offseason, they added C.J. Crone, Jonathan Scope, former Brewer for, temp- for a temporary season, uh, pitcher Ivan Nova, and then I put in question marks Spencer Torkelson, the number one overall draft pick. Will we see him this year? I have no idea. But if you look at the less, the rest of the roster, they're starting pitchers. You're led by Matthew Boyd and jo- Jordan Zimmerman. Those are the two guys who stand out to me that way. And then going through the rest of the lineup, it's like, well, Miguel Cabrera is still there somehow. from when he's healthy uh former pirate infielder jordy mercer is playing there but he's he's getting up there in age and otherwise it's you kind of got to hope some some younger guys step in and can contribute they have a lot of near mlb ready talent so it's most likely going to be a rebuilding for a rebuilding year for them again yeah i i definitely think that those main offseason uh, additions that you said in Crone, Scope, and uh, Ivanova, none of them are going to do that much in changing games. Maybe they win them an extra game or two, but nothing spectacular for those guys in terms of kind of their development and how good they are as a team. I do think these are solid players overall, but for example, Nova has a career ERA of 4.32 and last year was 4.72. So there's like nothing spectacular about his games. He's getting up there in age and maybe his kind of veteran leadership can help the young guys. But overall, you know, you'd like to see him take a step. I don't think they're going to see the number one overall draft pick from this last year. I think that's kind of extreme in baseball to see that happening. I'd be I'd be very surprised, but you'd like to see some of their younger talents, you know, like you said, those kind of young talents that are just on the fringe of the MLB kind of come in for the 60 game season and just let them play. Because as you stated, I mean, their infield is all kind of older guys that you're not going to win a championship with. So, yeah, have those guys there, but allow those other young guys to come in and play and try to get some development out of them and. You know, maybe you go the equivalent of what the Royals did last year, which is right around 100 losses instead of 114. Now, again, in the 60-game season, it's not exactly perfect, but I do think you start kind of figuring out what you have with your young guys, and hopefully they start to pop. And then 2021, you're looking like more a wild card, maybe, if, if you're able to get some of those young guys to pop. But if they play all their old guys and 
including the guys that they added this year, I I just don't see them really clicking for another few years. But if you're able to get some of those young guys up there, develop them, get them used to the MLB game, MLB pitchers or hitters, depending on their position, and allow them to kind of figure it out. And then you go 2021 and hope that you can make a few signings in the offseason to help take your team and maybe get them into some sort of contention the following year. This is just another basically free off season and stuff to just work on getting your young guys to be effective. These hitters, they're going to have to learn how to hit at the MLB level. And I'm laughing already because this one stat I'm looking at here, the Detroit Tigers were the worst team in slugging percentage and home runs hit in 2019. So for reference, the Detroit Tigers hit 149 home runs in 2019 the best team hit 307. <laughs> they over doubled them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so they, ugh, that's just terrible. But yikes. I mean, you, you see teams go through these phases like this. Thankfully, the Brewers rebuild was not this terrible ever. So I, I can't imagine what Tigers fans are going through. And it'll be fun to see some of these guys and maybe in a few years there'll be household names either on the tigers or somewhere else but we'll see because another team kind of on the up and coming if you want to say the least is the kansas city royals another team that we'll play this year in 2019 the royals are 59 and 103 so not much better than the tigers i do think they are looking in a little bit better shape in terms of rebuild than the tigers though during the offseason, the Royals added third baseman Mikhail Franco. They added pitcher Trevin Rosenthal and then pitcher Greg Holland. Nothing blockbuster about that deal. They are obviously led, I think, by kind of their best players, their utility man, Whit Merrifield. He can play second base primarily, can play the outfield. Looking at some of their pitchers, Ian Kennedy's their closer. He was a former starter. That's one eye or one name that steps out at me. But otherwise, I'm not too scared of this Royals team. Do you have anything else on them? Uh, not really. I think between the Tigers and Royals, the Brewers got to come out of there, I think, with seven wins. Six at the very least, but seven or eight wins is what you're looking at. You know, they're key additions if you can call them that there's nothing spectacular about any of these players trevor rosenthal has a decent career era at 3.46 but he gave his era last year was a whopping 13.5 so he's coming off an extremely extremely rough season greg holland not quite as rough but still 4.54 his career era is 2.96 franco doesn't really scare you at the plate uh, under a career 250 hitter. So I just don't see them really being able to do much more than what they did last year. And the, and like I said, between the Tigers and Royals, the Brewers have to kind of mop up there because in a 60-game season, especially against teams that aren't quite as good, you have to take advantage and you have to win you know, seven or eight of them to feel really comfortable when you have a pretty competitive division where there's not that much of a slouch in the NL Central, and then you have three other teams in the AL Central that are pretty solid slash might be better than you talent-wise. So you really have to 
take advantage of these kind of lower level teams. I agree with your win totals. And like I said, if you split in any of those series, it feels like a loss really as a fan, even though in baseball terms it's not, but they're so bad you got to capitalize as you've been saying. On the exact opposite end of bad is the Minnesota Twins. I saved them for last for this reason. They're the only team in the American League Central last year to crack 100 wins. They went 101 and 61. Their offense was referred to as the Bomba Squad last year. And as I mentioned, they hit the most amount of home runs out of any team in majors last year. They were that 307 team. And I think they only got better offensively. They added third baseman Josh Donaldson. So that's obviously going to strengthen their lineup. And where they thought they ran into problems in the postseason was their pitching. But their pitching really was not that bad. It was ninth best in the MLB in terms of ERA. But then they went out and added a crap load of pitchers in Kenta Maeda, Homer Bailey, Rich Hill, and Tyler Clippard. So the Twins went from scary to scarier, I think, this offseason. So how do you think the Brewers are going to stack up against this Twins? This is one where you just said if you split with the other two teams we just got done talking about, it seems like a loss. If you split with this team, it's got to feel like a win. Because like you said, they go over 100 wins last year, and then they, with all of their additions, they definitely get better. Um, now of those additions... The one I'm like least excited for is probably Homer Bailey. You know, he was very typical Homer Bailey last year at 4.57 ERA. It's exactly what he is as a career pitcher. He's a solid kind of low-level pitcher, but you know, if he's your fifth starter, that's he is a fairly solid guy there. Mieda is probably the next one in terms of guys that don't really turn the table that much but if you add depth to your starting rotation that that's definitely a good thing um the other three are the ones that really kind of scare me though um even though rich hill has been in the league literally forever he's been in the league since 2005 he was 39 last year so who knows what he has left in the tank but if he is like rich hill of last year at 2.45 ERA, 72 strikeouts and 58 innings. If he's that Rich Hill again, which I feel like is going to be tough to do at his age, that is a very solid bullpen arm. Kind of same thing with Clippert. I think he is very solid. Um, Last year he had a 2.9 ERA, 64 strikeouts and 62 innings pitched. He isn't quite as old. This will be, looks like, age 35 season for him. So... They're on the older side, but if they can kind of scave off regression for another year, I think that's going to be some kind of home run additions in their bullpen. And then obviously Josh Donaldson is kind of a a big name for them to go out and get. 259 average last year, but he did hit 37 home runs, 94 RBIs. You know, just a pretty damn good player overall he had a 900 ops last year and he's going to be in his age 34 season so it's just kind of figuring out if all of these guys can really keep up to their formal former selves because they're all up there in age um except mieda he's he's kind of the youngest one even though he's still 32 so it's so it's just kind of figuring out 
what these guys are going to be able to do as they're getting, you know, in their kind of younger 30s and into their 40s with Rich Hill. So if they can all play like they have previously, this makes the Twins extremely, extremely scary. But if they start to regress like their age says they might or will start doing very shortly, then, you know, I don't think they're going to go down that much because I don't think these guys are going to impact them in the loss category that much. But if they regress a shit ton and the other players on their team don't play quite as well and or they all get off to bad starts, think if all five of these players get off to bad starts and they're just kind of getting back into the swing of things 40 games in, you're already screwed at that point if you're really struggling early on. So it'll be interesting to watch. This team definitely does scare me because all of these players are definitely MLB contributors and can help you win games. But the other thing is really concerning is their age. Are they going to be able to do that at the age that they're at? So that's just one thing to watch with the twins, but overall they're definitely the team that scares me the most. I get your point about the pitchers and aging and a 60 game season might actually benefit rich Hill the most. If you think about it, it, it makes sense, but uh, I'm not too worried about the Twins getting off to a, a slow start if any of these guys were to do that because their offense is just so scary. I can read through their entire lineup and you'll be like, oh, I don't want to face him. I don't want to face him. They, they just have that deep of a lineup. And even their bench guys, it's like, wow. So they are definitely built. I think they're well built for a long season, a short season, postseason they're built for everything so it's going to be an interesting year for the twins so real quick i think i know the answer already but would you predict out of the american league central for the twins to win it all um the white Sox. Ooh, okay going with the dark horse i don't are they like i get they were third place in the division last year but with the additions i just feel like they might take third, but I also feel like they have a pretty damn high ceiling, um, especially, you know, if Dallas Keuchel comes out and pitches, you know, 2015 or 2017 Dallas Keuchel, he can win them quite a lot of games. Um, 2015, he won the Cy Young Award. So I, I think if he comes out and pitches – somewhat to that or even 2014 Dallas Keigel if he gets back to kind of that age and that um, type of pitching I think he can kind of change everything if Grandal you know gets in a hot streak I think he can change a lot and I just feel like what they added and them underperforming last year if they're just able to perform what they would have last year I think they would have been much closer to um, a 500 team and then you add all of these other players I think that they are going to make a big jump. And that that's the team that I'm going to say is going to win this because they get hot early and it's going to be enough to carry them. It, it could easily happen. I, I don't anticipate the White Sox doing that. I'd put them second in the division or maybe tied with the Indians. I think the Indians will regress slightly, but I'm still giving the edge to the Twins. It's, it's just hard to argue against them. But 
It shall make for an interesting American League showdown with the Brewers against all these teams. I am looking forward to seeing these games. And not only when they're played, how they'll be split up. We talked last week about will it be two games at home against each of them or because there are no fans most likely, will they just play all four in one of the other ballparks? But we will find that out soon enough for the MLB announced the schedule will be released next week. So next week, as in the first full week in July, we will find out the exact schedule at that time. But I think that will do it for us today. As I said, we are releasing this episode here on July 3rd, so we will not have an episode out on July 6th. So unless something major happens, we'll be back on July 13th with some more Brewer news. So hope everyone enjoys their 4th of July, and see you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Stearns. <laughs>